Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tell me a good story. Maybe you remember saying that before you went to bed at night, after your parents tucked you in bed. Tell me a story. Something that's going to allow for your imagination to go wild. Something that's going to entertain your thoughts, give you good dreams just before you close your eyes for that good night's sleep. Tell me a good story. You might say those words as you are gathered around the campfire. You want to hear a tale while you are observing the warmth, the glow of those flames flickering amidst the logs. Tell me a story, maybe one that's going to scare me, one that's going to excite me, one that's going to make me think. Tell me a story. That's something that probably all adults really want to say uh, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of tough times, in the midst of the struggle of everyday life, not just a story, but tell me a good story. Something that will lift me up, something that will take my mind off of the disunity of a situation. Uh, Tell me something positive that's going to take my mind off of the deathly experiences that we are currently facing. Tell me a story that's going to give me hope. Yes, tell me a story that will lift me up. Well, friends in Christ, are you ready to hear a good story? Well, the beautiful thing about this, this isn't just a story. This is the story. This is God's story, and it is the greatest story that's ever been told. And the beautiful thing about it is that it's a story that includes you. He has brought you into the story. So I hope that you are like me and that you are excited to hear what God's story is all about what it entails, what it means. But I think there's something we have to understand about this story as we are reading it. Uh, Our journey together is, well, it's like a marathon. And that might sound kind of silly. Uh, Oftentimes when we think of something being like a marathon, we think of long, boring, monotonous. But that's not what I mean when I say it's like a marathon. What I mean, though, is that we have to pace ourselves This isn't a sprint. You could read through the story in three days, I guess, but it'd probably be pretty difficult to get everything out of it that God might want us to get out of it. It's a marathon. It takes time. It takes practice. You see, that's the thing about a marathon. I don't know anything about marathons per se in terms of running one. Never have done it. But I've been told that you can't just run a a marathon, excuse me, You can't just circle the date and say, you know what, that's the day that I'm going to run and just assume that you're going to be ready. And even more so, you can't just pick a date and then just start running and expect that that's the kind of training you need that just running each day a particular amount might get you there. No, it's got to be planned out. It's got to be thought out. You have to know exactly when you're going to run, how much you're going to run, when to increase, when to decrease. You have to know what kinds of food to eat. You have to know how much rest your body needs because there are going to be days when you should not run. A plan has to be put in place so that you can excel, so that you can complete this goal, so that you can run when the time comes. 
course, when it comes to a marathon, it's easier said than done, isn't it? There's a reason why only so many people will actually run a marathon and many of us will choose to never run a marathon. Whether it's a lack of will, whether it's a lack of self-control or discipline, it can be very difficult. I told you I've never run a marathon, but I've tried to run on multiple occasions. I've begun training for a running kind of exercise program on a multiple occasions. But the problem is I finished. <laughs> Not that I finished my goal, but I just finished. You know how it works. One day you get up, you start running, and you feel good after it's over. The second day, you do the same thing. The third and the fourth, uh uh-oh, there's a bump in the road. It rains. Maybe you rebound and you go out and run the next day, or maybe you're like me where that day off felt kind of good. Maybe you should take one more day off. Besides, the ground still looks wet. (laughs) Next thing you know, you go out the next day, you see a white cloud up in the sky. Oh, it might rain. I better not run. (laughs) It's kind of funny how that happens, isn't it? And then... You're out of the habit in such a way that you don't even think about it before you set your alarm clock. Nope, the running is over. See, the same thing could happen really with any spiritual exercise as well. Because the difficulty in this is that we're not just battling against our own sinful desires, our own flesh. We're also battling against the evil in the world. We're battling against the evil one who is going to do everything he can to prevent us from reading about God's story. I mean, that's his goal. That's his mission. His mission is to keep us from being involved in God's word, to lead us to believe that everything that we are doing right now is just fine, that nothing needs to be changed, that we don't need to grow. Keep the status as quo, right? Keep everything exactly the same. No reason to change. See, this is an ongoing battle. And if you were with us this past Advent season, we were talking about some of those things, these struggles that we have. It is very difficult when we talk about these spiritual disciplines because it means change. It means being uncomfortable. And it means a war has been waged. Certainly the evil one is behind that. So let's talk about this. Is it unnatural for us to really grow in the faith? Well, since the fall, it kind of is. Not kind of, it is. In fact, since the fall, we can actually look back over the course of mankind, over the course of the story that we are going to be growing in and that we are going to be reading, we are going to find a common theme. That God will continue to chase after his people, but his people, yes, even you and I, will continue to run away from him and chase the things of this world. This has been our nature since the beginning. We're the ones who want to what? Take that first bite. The bite that we're not supposed to have, the forbidden fruit. Naturally, we're like Cain not offering our very best, or we're like Jonah, wanting to run away from God, or Elijah, afraid of what other people might do to him, or like Judas, willing to sell out the Savior for 30 pieces of silver, or maybe maybe 30 glances of the attractive neighbor. No, we are well aware of what we are capable of doing. 
when we look at a lot of these lower stories, and that's a terminology that you're going to hear when we talk about this story, is that these lower stories are the stories that the scriptures have given us that kind of really demonstrate what happens between God and his people. But the overarching story, the upper story, is about God's saving plan. See, we find the upper story within a lot of these individual stories. Man runs, but God saves. Isn't that the overarching story, the upper story? From the time that paradise was lost, to Jesus coming, dying, rising again, to this paradise that is going to be restored again, this is the upper story. How God comes to defeat sin, defeat death, defeat the power of the devil, and he takes you in your sinful nature and what makes you his child. He incorporates you in your story, your lower story of your life and everything that you go through and everything that you've been through. And he says, yes, but you are mine. You are part of my story. I've placed my identity on you. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. And therefore, thus we have hope. So that's what we're going to see as we go through each of these lower stories, like Jonah, for example, how Jonah runs yet, God will chase him down, even if it's through the fish. (laughs) Swallow him up, but restore him to his position as prophet. Spits him out on dry land. See, we can see the fall and we will see the redemption in all of these lower stories that are pointing to the need for this greater story. God coming to save his people from their sins. But it's not just their story. It's not just the story of Jonah. It's not just the story of of Cain and Abel. It's not just the story of the disciples. No, it's, it's so much more than that. We read in the Old Testament about Israel, the nation of God, the nation that God has called to be his. Yet what do they do? Well, time and time again, they disobey God. They do what they want to do. They follow their own heart. They worship the gods that they want to worship. They turn into the nations that God kicked out of the land long ago. They revert back to those kinds of things. And yet, God still calls to them. He still sends a redeemer for them. He tells them, you shall lay, therefore, these words of mine on your heart and in your soul. Bind them as a sign of on your hand or your forehead. Teach my words to your children, whether they're walking by the way, whether they're they're lying down or sitting in their house, or even when you get up. My words, my commandments shall never leave you, but the people leave God. Let's see, we're a lot like Israel. We make those same mistakes too. We falter, we fall, we rebel. Yet at the same time, we have this overarching story. That's what's great about the gospel lesson that we have today, this baptism of Jesus. Because this is where we find the story taking a turn. Is that, yes, Israel is God's children. It's God's children. In fact, they call them God's sons. If you read through the Old Testament and you look at the Hebrew, my children, Israel, the sons of Israel. That's what they're referring to. Yes, encompassing all people, men and women, God's children. But how do these sons of Israel live? Well, they rebel like you and me. Of course, we said that already, but 
here comes Jesus. When he comes into this water of baptism, an amazing thing happens. Well, first of all, Jesus shouldn't even be there, should he? John the Baptist is giving a baptism for the repentance of sins. The people who are stepping into that water need to repent. They're filthy. They're dirty. They're like us. They're liars. They rebel. They don't keep the commandments. They dishonor their parents. All of that stuff. They should repent. They should change. But here comes Jesus. And John knows there's something different about him. You've come to me? No. I need to be baptized by you. And sure, John is right. But Jesus says, no, this has to be done to fulfill all righteousness. And the baptism takes place, right? If you can imagine this perfect individual, this perfect being, this perfect person who is man 100%, yet is also divine 100%. This is the only way this could happen. This perfect individual steps into this mucky Jordan water with this picture of sins all being washed off this, uh, the various individuals. Jesus, the perfect one, gets into the muck. He's baptized with the voice of the God saying this, the voice of God saying this, behold, this is my, here it is, my son. It's not just Israel. It's, it's Jesus this is where we're going to find the hope. This is the son of God because he's going to live a perfect life, right? John said, hey, your life should show fruit of repentance. But there's only one who's going to actually look like live a life that bears that kind of fruit, does exactly what God has put before us. It's going to be Jesus. We'll see that as he goes into the wilderness and says no to the evil one and all of his temptations even though the rest of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and other people along the way will try to, to cause all those hiccups, it's not going to deter him because this son is going to be completely different than the sons of old. This is a new kind of Israel who will actually go to the cross, who will face death head on and will defeat it because there will be an Easter victory. There will be a resurrection victory as Jesus will defeat death. He'll defeat the flesh. He'll defeat the evil one who so easily entangles us and causes us to slip. He will defeat him as he is raised on that Easter morning and then, of course, will ascend on high, showing that he really does have all of the power and all of the authority. But he doesn't just have the victory. He gives you and me the victory as well. Because in our baptism, we did not receive the baptism of John, but the baptism of Christ, who told the disciples, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, for surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, in our baptism, God placed his name upon us. We were baptized in his name. We are children of God. The story that we are going to be reading, it's not just the story of another nation. This is our story. This is our 
history. This is the, the history that our Father has given us as we are adopted into the family. It's the story of life. It's the story of salvation. And it's the story of joy. And I can't wait to go through this story with you. Now, as I finish up today, I'd like to, to make a couple of, of quick comments and maybe suggestions uh, as we're going through the story. Uh, number one, don't put it off till Saturday morning. We're going to have this first chapter read by Sunday, right? Don't wait till Saturday night. This is why. You're creating new habits. If you do it at Saturday night, you're going to do it the next Saturday night and the next Saturday night. And it's going to keep put, getting pushed back, though. First it's 7, then it's 9, then it's 10.30, then it's 11. And then you're rushing through it just so that you can say you've read it. And then you're going to end up resenting the fact that we're doing this. Trust me. Find the time. Plan it out. When are you going to do it? Think about this. I'm going to read it on this particular day. I'm going to have my cup of coffee in hand. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to mute my phone for 15 to 30 minutes. However long you're going to do it, it can be on multiple days where you spread it out. But find that comfortable moment. Find it. Make it happen to where you can read this and you know that this is time designated for this. There is nothing else that you are going to do on that time. That is not a catch-up time. This is a time for you, for God to speak to you through his word. Okay, second suggestion. If you have children, yes, read it once with your children, but then read it once for yourself because it's very hard while you're trying to read to your children and maybe answer their questions and kind of keep them interested to really be reflecting upon what this means for you because you want them to understand it for themselves as well. Now, with that being said, maybe this is a point two sub point one. <laughs> hey, we're building habits. Your children are going to have a hard time the first time. They're going to be fidgeting. They might be a little frustrated. It's okay. Let it go. We're trying to grow through this. We are setting a pattern that's not just for the story. You are trying to set this pattern for you and for your family for the rest of their lives. So it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. There might be some backsliding. They might grow, then come back. But be patient, okay? The next thing that I wanted to say is that we have a banner out in our lobby that I'd like for you to sign if you'd like to be a prayer partner for our congregation throughout our time together. It's okay if you don't catch on to the first or second week. Um, please sign your name. Put your favorite Bible verse as well. But then, of course, pray. Pray for us. And you don't have to sign that banner to pray for us if you're listening online. Pray for us, please. Pray for yourself. Pray for God's word to be present. And if you need a story, uh, come talk to me. I'd love to, to get you a copy of the story. I'm ordering more books today, to be exact. So, um, you know, give me, some, give me some heads up, and I'd love to get you a copy so that you can join us, even if it's from afar. The last thing, last thing, don't get behind. If you do get behind, don't get behind. If you have to get behind, don't get behind. But for some reason, you go on vacation and you forget the story, which I'm sure you won't do but you get behind, which you won't. Don't go back and read. Stay current. Read the current chapter, then go back and read it. Does that make sense? If you miss the week and you come back and you know that we're on a different week, read the different week. Stay caught up so that when we come on Sunday mornings, 
you're there, you're with us. Then go back and read. And along those lines, then we also have our midweek. Please join us Wednesday, Wednesday evening, seven o'clock, Thursday morning, 11 o'clock. Join us. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look, if you're in the word for yourself, reading that word, and then you're with the body of believers at midweek, and then you come on Sunday mornings, I promise you, look, the spirit's there. You're going to grow. You might not be able to see the growth right away, but you're where the word is. And wherever the word is there, there is going to be the gospel proclaimed. Where the gospel is proclaimed there, your faith is going to grow. It's just the reality of it. So, Bless your time on this story. This is the greatest story ever told. It's for you. It's for me. It includes us. And I look forward to seeing you next week for chapter one.